The topic this week is managed marketplaces. Let's talk about why it matters. Managed marketplaces are capital efficient businesses. They are hard to build, but they're also hard to mess up. More important than that is by looking at managed marketplaces, we're gonna learn about building communities, currencies, languages, religions, and other manifestations of network effects. The problem here is that sometimes simply connecting supply and demand is not enough. There's still friction, there's still mistrust, there's still information problems that exist. And what managed marketplaces do is they go beyond simply matching demand and supply. They facilitate transactions and improve the experience in other ways. You can look at curation. TopTal connects you to the top 3% of designers, developers, data scientists, where you don't have to worry about running into duds. They're gonna pre-verify. As long as you trust their process, they're gonna verify them on your end. They also provide ratings around supply and demand. You can look at Airbnb and Uber with two-way rating systems where they'll churn bad supply and they're basically providing trust at scale here. You have Golden Stock X where they'll provide verification where there's this incentive around counterfeiting items, especially as simple items of plastics and simple electronics that might go into a G-Shock watch can fetch $2,500. There's a big incentive to counterfeit. By shipping the items to Golden Stock X, you can get these items verified before you buy them. Uh, Another thing that a marketplaces may do to add value is providing escrow services in terms of collecting payments. You can look at mentor paths here where they collect payments from mentees uh, and they pay the mentors out of that amount. You can also look at Remodelmate where they go further. They collect the payments and they release payments to contractors around predefined milestones where customers must approve that. They also standardize demand. If you look at Thumbtack and the quizzes that you have to take, if you're trying to get your home cleaned, how many bedrooms do you have? How many bathrooms? And for extra services like oven cleaning, do you need the refrigerator clean? They also provide enrichment services. If you look at ThreadUp, an online thrift store, they're adding metadata to the items that they're buying from people who no longer want them in terms of what brand is this, what size it is, what condition is it in. Each one of these details bring transparency and value to these transactions. You can also look at things like reporting where I talked to Greg from Municipid and one thing that Municipid does is it helps municipalities sell items to the public and get them off of their books. And because of things like the Freedom of Information Act, these municipalities can't simply go to eBay because they don't have the reporting requirements that are regulated there where Municipid will collect information on everyone who bid in the auction, not only who won the auction, but who bid in the auction so that you can make sure that government employees aren't participating. Another thing that managed market places uh, may do is take inventory risk. If you look at Open Door, where they'll buy the home from the seller and may make some improvements to that home before then selling it. You can also look back at ThreadUp here, where they're taking inventory risk on the item. And that's much more than simply connecting buyers and uh, sellers there. In terms of the players section, you can check out the players, but we'll look at B2B, B2C, what I call solo pro to consumer, influencer to consumer, influencer to business, solo pro to business. And then you also have these one-sided networks of being consumer to consumer or peer to peer, if you will, where if you're buying shoes from GOAT, you may also on another day be selling shoes on GOAT. And these tend to be easier to build because you're only building up one side of the marketplace that can actually serve as both sides. The first prediction is saying that AI will supplant supply and I'll make this more concrete where you look at Uber drivers and there's a lot of talk around self-driving technology, which we have it now as AI assisted. But as this technology matures, it eventually supplants the drivers. You can look at Rev.com where they've started to disrupt themselves, where you can pay to have a human transcribe and they ensure 99% accuracy 
or you can pay to have AI do audio to text conversion for you. And then they guarantee 80% uh, accuracy. You could also look at marketplaces like Scripted, where you go to find a copywriter. Perhaps those copywriters are going AI assisted and using services like copy.ai on the back end and then tidying up the results of that. But you also get to this place where the technology matures so much that they can replace the copywriters themselves. There's another prediction saying that more marketplaces will start out as communities. And we can look to Swapstack as an example of this. Before they were in the business of pairing brands to Substack writers, they were connecting Substack writers to other Substack writers to do cross promotion. So they still have that community going, but they built that up first before the pivot. And they're still using that for one side of their marketplace. There's another prediction saying that more marketplaces will go vertical. And it's pretty much table stakes at this point where people talk about unbundling and rebundling of things. And you can look at StockX as breaking away from eBay and then Chrono24 as a break off from StockX where they just focus on watches. And you have these marketplaces, they get greedy where you look at Soothe, where Soothe used to only focus on massages and now they do facials and these other things where they're just trying to increase their the overall market that they can serve. But you do lose focus here and later on, We'll talk about the effect that drives these vertical marketplaces. It also powers micro SaaS and just the power of focus, but we'll get to that later. There's another prediction saying that we'll see more member-owned marketplaces, and you know exactly what I'm talking about if you saw the Dow report or the DeFi report, and you look at these member-owned protocols where you can actually benefit from the value that you're contributing to the network without waiting eight years for an IPO or being part of some inner circle where you were able to participate in the upside of this network. There's another prediction saying that technology will continue to not only supplant supply, but supplant some of the value add services that marketplaces bring to bear. So we can go back to StockX and GOAT where they're verifying the items that are being sent in. There's a company Entropy where that's all they focus on is bringing computer vision to these problems and verifying that items are in fact authentic. There's another prediction saying that blockchain primitives will continue to come after these same value add services where after we get over this hump of scalability and have enough layer two solutions in place and proof of stake with Ethereum, a lot of resources and attention will shift to identity solutions. More attention will shift to insurance solutions, reputation solutions. And this is, starts to unlock a lot of the same things that Airbnb actually does for their hosts, where they're going to verify the identity of guests. They're going to verify their reputation and how they treated other places where they stayed. Last but not least, we'll see more marketplace aggregators where you're probably familiar with OpenSea, where they just permissionlessly pull data off of different blockchains and surface these digital items that are for sale from the centralized world. You can look at Google in terms of when you search for a hotel, they pull data from Travelocity, Expedia, Kayak, all of these other marketplaces and aggregate that to surface the rates and surface the listings that they have. So in a way, they're a marketplace aggregator, but from a centralized angle. In terms of opportunities, the first opportunity is to solve the chicken and egg problem. So one way to do this is just straight up hand-to-hand -hand combat of direct sales. If you go to my buddy's site, dothingsthatdontscale.com by KP, you'll see a lot of marketplaces there with stories of how they did things that just straight up didn't scale just to get the flywheel going and hit liquidity. And at that point, they can just progressively scale the same way that we talk about progressive decentralization. There's a such thing as progressive scaling. You don't need to worry about doing anything that scales if you don't have something working to start off with. Another way to solve the chicken and egg problem 
is around building a community first. We talked about Swapstack before, so you can just think about that as an example. You could also provide a service to one side. If you look at Career Karma or interviewing.io, especially with interviewing.io, where they'll interview engineers and this becomes a pipeline of talent that then goes to these tech companies. And because the transaction is worth so much, they can afford to do something unscalable like a service of interviewing because they're gonna make that up on the back end. There's also this strategy of if you already have one marketplace and you're trying to expand to this other area of bootstrapping one side or more sides of the marketplace off of an existing one. If you look at Airbnb where they had Airbnb stays with guests and hosts and then they wanted to do Airbnb experiences, they already had the demand. If you're in this city, you probably are interested in a cocktail class or a food tour or something like that. So they had the demand and they actually then had to build up the supply side of that of let us find some tour guides and people to create these experiences. Experiences. There's another opportunity to solve the chicken and egg problem around stealing the chicken. Of uh, We talk about vampire attacks in the world of decentralization, but they aren't new. Airbnb did a vampire attack on Craigslist. Thumbtack did a vampire attack on Craigslist. So this can happen. This does happen in these centralized marketplaces. There's another opportunity to start in the white hot center, start in the area of the most need where Amazon, they started out with books for a lot of reasons. One of them being that to compete with physical bookstores, they are very limited in the amount of storage and the amount of selections that it can offer versus you look at an online store that long tail can be a lot longer in terms of the titles that you have access to. Another opportunity is to build with no code tools. So you can look at Share Tribe or Bubble. Code is not the hardest part about building a marketplace or a managed marketplace. Liquidity is the hardest part. You can also look to unbundle an incumbent. So you could look at what Airbnb did to Craigslist in terms of we're just going to take the rental section, the short term rental section. And now Zeus, they're doing that to them. If they're saying we're like Airbnb, but we're just going to focus on business travel in the same way that Chrono24 went after StockX. And we're like StockX, but we're only going to focus on watches. So you can just carve a category off in this way. There's another opportunity saying that you can create your own supply. So if a vampire attack means that you're going to still supply, a Frankenstein attack means that you're going to create your own supply. You can look what AirDev did here, where they're a marketplace for no coders and connecting them to people that want apps built and they're training their own no coders. They're actually training and certifying them to then become participants in their marketplace. There's another opportunity to provide services to one or more sides of your marketplace where we talked about interviewing.io. They'll interview engineers, but there's also Slice where they'll answer phones for pizzerias. You also have AppSumo where they're writing copy for the businesses that list on their sites, or at least they'll collaborate on that. There's another opportunity to churn bad supply or demand at scale in two-way rating systems. They just naturally do this where over time, time is smarter than we are and time is going to tell the truth in terms of how does this driver treat riders or how does this guest treat places where they stay? And you could also look at building a proprietary metric or badge for your marketplace. So you can look at the Superhost badge from Airbnb or Zestimate from Zillow, or you don't have to build it out from scratch. Redfin ended up buying WalkScore and you can buy it as well. There's an opportunity to apply AI to the unscalable parts of the way that you may add value as a marketplace going back to Go or going back to Rev.com in terms of their they have high marginal costs, relatively high marginal costs for the transcription services by humans, but they're also providing pure AI transcription audio to text. The accuracy may not be as high, but they've started to cannibalize themselves there and they can almost scale that part infinitely just by bringing that offering online. 
there's another opportunity to build tools to support one or more sides of your marketplace. And we can go back to AirDev here, where they have this tool called Canvas, where it helps no coders build apps faster. And in the way they're increasing the transaction velocity of the amount of jobs that can be passed through AirDev, because as a developer, if you finish this job faster, that means you can pick up another one faster. On to the key lesson section. The first key lesson is that all marketplaces start out being energy intensive, requiring a lot of energy. And this process goes underway of progressive scaling the same way that we talk about progressive decentralization in the world of DeFi. Marketplaces are going to do a lot of unscalable things just to get the wheel turning back to do things that don't scale.com. There's another key lesson saying that networks are networks are networks. Whether we're looking at marketplaces or communities or religions or languages, they all have these through lines and these fundamental principles that apply. And there are certain things where the metaphor may break down, but for the most part, a lot of these fundamentals apply across areas where network effects apply. There's also this key lesson saying that managed is a spectrum. We can agree that Airbnb is more managed than Craigslist and perhaps Open Door is more managed than Airbnb, certainly in the area of inventory risk. We can't argue that. And then it's not even a two-dimensional plane or a three-dimensional plane. We talked about all of the characteristics that goes into whether this is a managed marketplace or not. And all of these things apply and they factor into that score, if you will, of where we're going to put this marketplace on this spectrum of whether it's managed or not. That's another key lesson saying that what managed marketplaces actually do is they focus on the experience and they're like, how do we facilitate this transaction? How do we remove friction from this transaction? And they're willing to do things scalable and unscalable to remove that friction. Not that the friction disappears, but they take that on as a marketplace, as a party, they take that on off the seller's hands, off of the buyer's hands, just to reduce some of that complexity there. This is table stakes, but another key lesson is saying that start out with the hardest side of your marketplace and build that up first, because you may think that you have a business on your hand, but you're wasting your time if you solve for the easiest side first, and the hardest side is actually impossible. So the same principle applies to the pre-sales report where we looked at you want to front load the hardest part of what you're doing, and it's that type of product market fit. Can you explain the problem clear enough to move someone to action? Another thing to look at when you're looking at marketplaces is frequency versus average order value. And you can look at RemodelMate where someone may get a kitchen renovation for $12,000 versus Uber where someone may pay $12 for a ride. In both cases, it's okay because in RemodelMate's case, if that person is a customer for once in their lifetime, that can be okay because the average order value is so high. If someone pays $12 for an Uber ride, that's okay as long as the frequency is high. But you start to run into trouble if the frequency is low and the average order value is low on your marketplace. Another thing is saying that marketplaces bring creative destruction to middlemen in the same way that decentralization brings creative destruction to centralized marketplaces. We can also look at managed marketplaces as a way of still manning the decentralization argument. Managed marketplaces will be one of the last areas that's actually fully impacted by decentralization because there are so many moving pieces, scalable and unscalable. We can also look at vertical marketplaces and the force that lies behind that and what it has in common with micro SaaS, where what focus gives you is focus allows you to make design concessions for the persona or the feature set that you're really going to over index on at the exclusion of everyone else. So by focusing on this persona or this feature set, you're going to do that at the expense of everything else. And that just allows you to go much deeper and provide a better experience for those people.
There's another key lesson saying that when supply is commoditized, that automatically tells us a few other things about this marketplace in terms of will the buyer feel like they're buying from the supplier or from the marketplace? And we can look at Uber in this case. When you take an Uber, do you feel like you're a Uber customer or do you feel like you're a customer of Jane's Taxi Service? Because the supply is commoditized, Uber can afford to get out in front of that and make you feel more like an Uber customer. When supply is also commoditized, you see more people competing around price in terms of if you land in a new city, you may open up Uber, you may open up Lyft, and because it doesn't matter to you how you get from point A to point B, in this case, you'll just go with the cheaper option. This doesn't necessarily happen if you're looking for a developer or especially a designer and you're going to top towel, you're comparing design aesthetics. These designers are non-fungible, if you will, in that way. Down the haters. The first hater is saying that it seems like a lot of marketplaces are managed. Why are we even looking at this? To some degree, they are. And the same way that we looked at micro marketplaces before, and now we're looking at managed marketplaces, these qualifiers give us a lens or a wedge into these places. We don't have months or years to look at a specific topic, but we can still learn the macro from the micro. We just have to qualify it to not take on the whole world of marketplaces. And this is what this allows us to do. There's another hater saying that a lot of these things that these managed marketplaces are doing don't scale. Despite the name of Trends VC, Trends VC isn't focused on venture capital or things that are investable or things that have to scale. If you don't have to take on investors, great for you. You have one less stakeholder type at the table and you can afford to optimize for your customers more and yourself more. There's also no question that a lot of these companies and examples that were mentioned, whether we're talking about Uber, Airbnb, or someone else, these are billion dollar companies and they clearly are investable. And we can just also speak to the uh, misconception that just because a managed marketplace is getting involved in the transaction, whether it's insurance or escrow services or identity verification or things like this and doing it in a scalable way, it's still a managed marketplace. It falls somewhere on that spectrum of being more towards the managed side because Craigslist is relatively unmanaged and it's not providing any of these things. So everything is relative. There's another hater saying that Open Door isn't a managed marketplace. It's not a marketplace at all. I see where this person is coming from because they take so much inventory risk that at some point you do become a reseller or a regular business, but you would also have to put thread up in this category because they are buying the apparel from the sellers. They're also doing data enrichment to then resell that to someone else. So by taking custody of these items, they are taking the inventory risk, which makes them resemble resellers a lot more than the actual marketplace. In terms of related reports, we could look at micro marketplaces where this just gives us another lens to come at the same space if you found that interesting. You could also look at growth tools or audience first products where these will address solving the chicken and egg problem. You can look at DAOs and DeFi if you're interested in the world of decentralization and what's actually going on here. The way that these primitives are coming after some of these value added services that managed marketplaces bring the bear. We talked about no code. You can go deeper into that if you're looking at how to build a managed marketplace or a marketplace in general without code. Paid communities, they have a lot more to say about network effects. Micro SaaS, we talked about the same force of that focus and the value of that focus that drives micro SaaS also drives vertical marketplaces. And we didn't talk about how to actually throw fuel on the fire once you do have the chicken and egg problem being solved, but it's possible to go viral at that point. And you can look at the referral programs report if you're interested in terms of how to actually get people to bring liquidity to your marketplace once you have the flywheel spinning there. Uh, I also want to say thanks to everyone who helped out with report reviews this week in terms of Greg from Unisabit, Jake from Swapstack, Phil from Propulsion Lab, Max from TheBench.co, Andrew from MicroAcquire, and last but not least, Kenny from MentorPass. I'm looking forward to what you think. Thank you again for for listening.